0: Hello and welcome to the fast and the fictitious. This podcast series is produced and recorded by high school juniors and seniors producing a college literature credit from Sowella Technical Community College in Lake Charles, Louisiana during the fall 2023 semester. The course itself is live streamed five days a week to seven different area high schools as one of Calcasieu Parish School Board's virtual instruction program, dual enrollment courses. The idea behind this podcast is for students to have a discussion about big ideas or big issues. Each episode has an anchor text, a short story from a variety of authors ranging from Ernest Hemingway to Kate Chopin to David Foster Wallace and everyone in between. Using the short story as a guide, each pair of students touch on a variety of topics. Sometimes they do a little critical analysis of the assigned text. Often they talk about larger social or personal issues. In each case, the discussion is open and honest. The hope is that these students will have thought deeply about the issues and topics and that the current and future listeners, whether students or not, will gain some insight into the anchor text as well as do a little self-examination of their own lives, thoughts, and feelings. In this episode, high school seniors, Dalen and Luke chat about Kate Chopin, irony within her stories, story of an hour and Desiree's baby, and the comparison of the demise of the heroine in each. The guys also delve into other topics, such as why we like stories in the first place, how much a person can take before reaching their limit, when it's okay to laugh at tragedy, real-life coping mechanisms, how we tend to internalize problems, and more. We hope you enjoy.
1: All right, so Kate Chopin, you know, wrote a couple of stories that we read, uh, Story of an Hour and Desiree's Baby, both of which dealt with some pretty heavy stuff, you know. Woman's, woman's husband dies at one store the other one uh, a man divorces his wife because she find or he thinks that uh she might be black crazy stuff goes on you know real heavy stuff and uh somehow she's managed to put some irony in there maybe to kind of lighten the mood something like that what do you think about it
2: mm. I I kind of enjoyed how how she um uh, how she did what with... How she did what she did, how she worked irony into all the stories, how she made them work like in the story of now. Uh, kind of the irony, kind of the irony of the situation was found in the fact that when her husband died, the the woman she seemed so distraught about it at first. It like it really seemed like she was going to break down with how her husband died, then come the middle of the story, she basically jumping up for joy, scribing, I can do anything I want now. I'm free, I'm free. Which, which kind of, it's kind of a dark thing in my mind. Like, like, I enjoyed how the story, how the story went about it, how Kate worked that into the story. And then, then Desiree's baby, it was, it was kind of a dark twist, really. The man, the man drove his wife away, drove his son away. to To be killed when they ran away into the bog, only to find out two weeks later that the reason why their son was mixed, why their son was black. Was because of his own ancestry. Which. I'm pretty sure broke him. In my mind. Like I'm imagining in my mind. That he broke after learning that. Because he was so in love with his child. And with his wife. Only to be driven out of love. Because he thought his wife was mixed. And then. He finds out. It's his own fault. Like. How would you feel about all those
1: things? Like, Oh, yeah. That's got to be something terrible. Because, you know, throughout the whole story, you could tell they were really happy. You know, this guy was going around town telling everybody how excited he was about his child. You know, it's talk of the town pretty much. And then he, find, or he thinks he finds out that his wife might might be black or part black or whatever. So he actually like they're just like strangers you know what i mean tries to kick him out the house give him the cold shoulder all that then he finds the little letter come to find out it was his mom that was black and that's where that why their baby uh has a darker skin tone and you know obviously he'd be very upset that he kicked his wife out for really no reason you know and just completely cut off that that love he had for but if he was so concerned about uh whether or not she was black, you know, that might bring his own life into question, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, Uh, in my mind, it seemed like, oh yeah, sorry, good. But in my mind, it seemed like he viewed white people as superior, you know? They were like a step above. And then he finds out he's not fully white. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm not up there anymore, you know? Like, everything I thought I was, I'm not. So not only did he lose his wife and child that he loved so dearly, he lost his whole state of mind about who he was.
2: Yeah, yeah I ain't gonna lie. That's, some, that's something I could see breaking a person, breaking a man. Because there's only so much a person can really take so, so close together, like traumatic events, back to back. Like, I don't think the average person will be able to go through that, have their mentality shaken so badly, and be able to remain stable. I guess you could say. And and it's kind of pitiful to me, in a way. And and she and I enjoy that she that the story made me feel that way. Now. Nah, now, don't get me wrong. Let, let me explain that a little bit. I, I like stories that make me think evoke, and invoke, invoke certain feelings in me. Like, I love a story that can make me feel dread, that can make me really think about myself, about how I would feel in that situation, how I would think in that situation, how how that situation may change me or break me or anything like that. 'Cause I'm I'm a thinker. I that's all I ever really do. I'm always in my head twenty four seven. And though that could be kind of a problem, it gives it gives me so much freedom in a way in my mind, a creative freedom that I enjoy. And like do you ever get a feeling like that?
1: Yeah, I do. I just like to you kinda explore all over the place if that makes any sense you know what i mean because like it can start with something small like like reading this story you know and then you go sit down and really think about it you're like man they got all these different things going into it that you didn't see right on the surface yeah i, I get like that sometimes i think uh i think k chopin did a really good job of that you know just putting pouring all kinds of stuff into it that you got to kind of sit down and think about to really understand what's going on. Cause when I read it on the surface, I was like, okay, this, this dude's like, he's just a racist. And he kind of got what was coming to him. If that makes any sense. But yeah. then I sat down, think about it. Like, I don't know if I, he got what was coming to him per se, but like, he did a bad thing and he got something bad in return. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, but it also it also made me feel bad for
2: him in a way. But like bad for him, through, I feel bad for him through feeling bad for his wife and his child because cause this the woman she I I really enjoyed her I guess you could say because how she was described I guess you could say because she was. Described as his vibrant, upbeat person, she she lit up the she lit up the room, the town she was in, and it and it seemed like she had made she made the man a better person. Like she really changed him for the better. He was kinder to his slaves. He he was not as harsh. She seemed to lighten up with her until until he got into his head that she was black. And then she then he broke her. Like full out broke her because at the end of her part of the story she left his plantation, right?
1: Hmm.
2: And she she had a way to go go back to her adoptive mother, right? There was a well-worn it said there was a well-worn beaten path that she could go on. That means it was a Tried and true safe path, but she went past that. She went into a, to a bog, a bayou, and she went. It said she went through that. She went through that. I think barefoot, I think he said she was barefoot in her silk clothes, not not any traveling clothes, and she went into the bog never to be seen again, which basically means she committed suicide. Yeah. And, and and this can actually be kind of tied back to the story of the story of an hour because something similar but different happened in that in that the woman in story of an hour, she she had rejoiced at a, for a time after her husband had presumably died. But when he came back at the end and she saw him, she had died from in that moment from happiness, from what the doctor called a, a ill, I forgot what specifically, it was specifically was an illness or happiness or something like that, mm-hmm. which gave her a heart attack. And, and though the endings, though both the situations, were not similar at the surface, they had a, they had kind of not a similar cause, but a cause that you can kind of draw a connection to in that they both came from, or due to the actions or the existence of a man. In that in Desiree's Baby, it was the man rebuking her, which broke her heart, that caused Desiree to, to kill herself, to die. So, the man was the direct cause. In Story of the Hour, the man was also the direct, was also a direct cause, in that it was his survival, and his coming back. That drove the woman to die from a heart attack from excitement. So while their deaths, both their deaths were from similar causes, they were also from different circumstances of the same direct cause of it being a man.
1: Do you think that was intentional in the story?
2: Yeah, I I think it was very intentional for both stories because I may not have read much of her work, but there being but it being but being shown in two of her stories you can assume somewhat that it's a theme that happens at least somewhat often in her stories i'm sorry i i, I couldn't find my word right there but somewhat often in her stories it may not be a may not be a looming thing something that she highly focuses focuses in on but it's obviously there
1: yeah yeah i definitely see what you're saying Uh, i definitely agree with uh the husband being the cause in desiree's baby and i would say that in story of an hour the husband Like, he's the cause, but it's not his fault, if that makes sense, you know? Because he he cared for his wife. He loved her. It wasn't his fault that he didn't die in that train wreck or whatever it was, and he just popped back in. You know what I mean? And I would assume that he didn't know that his wife felt that way about, like, being happy that he died or anything like that. Because if so, I think he would have done something about it. Maybe he broke off the relationship what do you think i don't think she was
2: necessarily super happy that he died and let me explain that so you see the way i read the story she she was more happy of the freedom that about the freedom that came from the fact that he was gone not that he was actually dead Because she described herself as sometimes loving him, which means that she at least has some care for him, some affection for him. And that doesn't necessarily mean that she wished him any ill will. She She just took advantage of the fact that he was taking advantage trying to see the bright side of the fact that he was gone in my in my mind. Now that doesn't now that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, she was super, super happy to be with him. Doesn't mean she necessarily wanted to be with him. It just means that she didn't actively dislike him.
1: Yeah, I think it seemed to me like she was just kinda alone of for the ride as far as the marriage goes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she didn't hate him. I didn't think she did at least. Yeah. And I see what yeah, you're saying. I, with yeah, the, I uh, I think Go ahead.
2: I think I think if she hated him it would have been a kind of a different story in how it turned out, at least somewhat.
1: Yeah. You yeah, have that line at the end. Uh, I remember earlier you were talking about how her dying of happiness after seeing the husband come back uh, made it seem like maybe she was just trying to convince herself that she was okay with him being dead so she didn't like kind of have a breakdown or anything like that. Yeah,
2: that's... And that's a a pretty much a real world coping mechanism that that I've seen quite a few people have, you know. They try to they try to deny, get into the head and delude themselves about about reality, about what they really feel, about why certain things happen. And it's and it works in its own way, but it isn't necessarily healthy, especially when they're confronted by the object or the thing that they are deluding themselves from or trying to distance themselves from, which which I'm not necessarily saying it's a terrible thing. At least if you're trying to help but when you let things like this fester it just makes it worse and worse and worse in a real world scenario and and it and it really can ruin a person i i have seen some some examples of this in in real life and it's it's not a it's really not a pretty thing to see it, it, like you it can't help you can't really help but kind of pity the person that you see and, and if you can, and if you can empathize with their situation it just makes it so much worse
1: so much worse yeah it's a big emotional burden to carry you know because up front obviously something bad like that happens to you that's a big deal right away Like you were saying, if you just let it sit and kind of just, like, grow, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I'm sure eventually it all just kind of comes out at once, you know?
2: Oh. When when it – I actually think – I actually think when it comes out all at once, that's kind of – I will not say the best-case scenario, but it's definitely not the worst-case scenario because I – because I – I've seen somebody internalize it. When I say internalize it, I mean they kept it with them for the longest time. When it when you internalize it, you you put it in the deepest core of yourself, you, your life kinda it kinda starts to revolve around that specific thing. Like you can't you just can't get away from it. You start to see 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 that specific thing examples everywhere you go. You just can't escape from it, till so eventually, when it finally explodes. At that moment, when when you find the crack, that's normally where somebody really breaks. And when they when they break, they usually either comes with them burning themselves down, them lashing out the world world and trying to burn the world down, or a combination of both. And it's really not a pretty sight.
1: Yeah, sure. So do you think that the irony in these stories, like, really pushed it above and beyond as far as making the reader think about what's going on?
2: Yeah, I think it did. It definitely got that. May have just been me though, cause that's just the type of person I am. I just, I, I sometimes I usually dig too deep into things. It kind of, it kind of twists my, to, really get my mind working, and it, it works for me, but it may not, uh, it may not work for everybody else. It def, it definitely doesn't always work for everybody else, cause I try to get people to, you know, follow my mental processes and it
1: doesn't always work out. Yeah. I think it definitely gave him an extra layer of depth, you know? Because I feel like a lot of people, the biggest thing they want to know is, like, why something happens. You know what I mean? And when you got, uh, like, in a story of an hour, you know, when she finds out her husband is supposedly dead, She's real upset about it. Goes up in a room, and she's like, you know, maybe there's some good to come out of this. You gotta, you start thinking like, well, what can make her be thinking that way? You know, like her husband's death. That's, that's bad news. And then it gets to the end, and all of a sudden, she dies of happiness because he comes back. You know. And then you really kind of figure
2: out what happens. I okay? think. I think one on the catalysts for the way she started thinking the story hour was, you know, when you was talking about when she went up to her room, she went up to her room, sat up in a chair by the window, and just started looking out the window, right? And she started seeing everybody else in the little, in the little town doing their thing. Like she described a man trying to sell his wares and, the kids playing and just the town in of itself and i think i think she lashed, she kind of latched on to that cuz cuz in the scene before she was grieving after she got the news right so she goes upstairs and in her grief she kind of starts to think after she calms down and she latches on to kind of the first thing first thing she sees and she starts to think in that moment. She starts to think about the things she sees, and she starts to think about the things she couldn't do. And she I think I think she kinda internalizes that. She kind of says, Look at all these people doing their things out there. Don't they? And and she said, I I want that. I, I want to be a part of that. I want to do, I kinda wanna do my own thing. And as she's thinking, she, she has that little epiphany. She has that little aha moment. And she says, my husband dying is not the end of the world. This is not the end of the world for me. And she says, since he's gone, I can do whatever I want to. And I can do whatever I need to. And I can move past this. And she latches on to that and it gives her new courage. At least that's what I read into. It. I may be wrong, I may be
1: right, but that's my little interpretation. Yeah, so, I think that so, the story is a lot. I think the stories a lot to interpretation interpretation. Yeah, that's how most stories are. Is. Yeah. You know, it's so... Uh,
2: so I want to yeah. know
1: what. You, so I want to know what you got out of it. Uh, well, my, I read this story last year for Mister Carlisle's class story of an hour, and at first, you know, I thought she was just like kind of crazy. I was like, okay, she don't even care that her husband died, and she's just ready to move on to the next thing. But after reading it again this semester, I kind of looked a little bit deeper into it, you know, and I was like, okay, maybe she's just trying to cope you know, because that's a, she already had a heart problem. And then she learns that her husband's dead. You know, so that's a it's a, a big shock to have happen. And then I think when she went up in her room, kind of like you said, just trying to latch on to uh, everybody else kind of living their life, you know, like the world keeps spinning no matter what's going on. And she was, she was happy when her husband came home, you know, because that's when they ended up killing her. It was like the shot gave her a heart attack or whatever. So, my final, like, interpretation of it, I guess, is that, uh, deep down, she was really upset about it, but she was just trying to look for a way to keep on moving. Mm.
2: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it's... So, so got, you got anything else you want to say about either of the stories? Got anything else? Uh, got any questions?
1: Uh, it's not directly about the stories, but, like, you know, they use irony in some pretty bad situations, and that, that could help lighten the mood, you know, some comic relief type thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's okay to, like, make jokes about bad stuff like that?
2: Oh, no, I do. I, I think it's actually necessary in some some situations, like, because, like, let me give, give you an example. Let's say, let's say you're in a situation. Let's say you're in a, mm, I don't know, let's say you're in this big, big, flat-out brawl or this riot. Let's say you're in this riot or this post-apocalyptic situation, I guess. In this situation, you have very little to no hope. You're against, you're against basically impossible odds. There's almost no chance at all for your survival. You have little supplies, you have a group to feed. They're all relatively downtrodden, very little morale. So what do you have in that situation? Besides, you have each other, but these are all basically strangers—not people that you necessarily know—and they're all agitated with the situation, agitated or in despair. So, what do you have in that moment? I guess all you have in that, all you have in that moment is a, is a humor. You just gotta make the best of a terrible, impossible situation. Try to make the most with with what you have, which isn't very much. So you have to try to spend these things in a, you try to spend these things in a kind of humorous, in a humorous way. So you say, so you try to make light of the situation. You try to make light of your, of it. You know, you're probably not gonna survive long. You know, you're probably gonna die with these people. So, you want to make your last moments, your, the last bit of your time with them as comfortable as possible. You know, so, even though you, everybody knows that they're going to die, everybody knows that this is the end. So, you try to make as light of it as possible. You try to make it in as comfortable in as possible. Heck. Even if, even if you don't, who knows? You may, who knows? You may end up, uh, who knows? You may end up turning the situation around some way if you boost the morale of everybody that's around you. So you may, yeah. that, that's at least one example of ways you can use humor or, irony or make
1: or irony your situation. Yeah. Do you think it's right to, for people to be offended by making jokes about that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, I think it kind of depends on... I think it kind of depends on the situation, like, are they doing it in a specifically malicious way? Yeah. Then I'm definitely... Thinking... If you're trying to make light of, you're not making it's not making light of a situation in my mind if you're doing it in a malicious way. Is if you're doing it in a malicious way, then it's exactly that malicious. You're trying to cause harm, you're trying to harm somebody when you're doing a malicious way. And while I don't necessarily think it's okay to make life a situation you know nothing about. I also know that some people do that to try to distance themselves from the, from the situation or try to make or they try to make light of it so that it doesn't have as much impact for them. Because I usually see irony as a way or humor as a way to kind of distance yourself from a, either distance yourself from a scenario or make the scenario not as scary or not as impactful as it would normally be to somebody without humor.
1: Yeah, yeah I think a really good example of that is, uh, you know, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson, yes. Yeah, so uh, his dad passed away. He was a firefighter during uh, the 9-11 attacks. And a lot of his comedy shows, he makes jokes about that kind of stuff. And what I understand from it is he's using that as a way to kind of alleviate some of the pressure that he would feel from that. Because, you know, losing your dad and something like that is a terrible thing to have happen. But I think he kind of copes with it and, and, like, moves past it by making jokes about it, you know?
2: Yeah. I get what you mean. Do it. So, you got anything, got anything else you want to make known? Anything else you want to air out or talk about? Uh,
1: I think that's about it. You good?
2: Mm. So, I guess that's the end.